Hello, and welcome to episode 67 of Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever no miss, the man, the myth, the mask, Alessandro Belsi. Say hello, Al. At one point, one of the men admitted to owning 98% of the onions in the United States. If that's not a teaser, I don't know what it is. On this week's episode, we're going to discuss our uh, our sad our sad feelings. We miss Stan Lee. We're going to discuss Star Wars movies that we'll never get to see, peruse the Guardian's top 20 Marvel films, and ponder the Apple and A24 partnership, assorted news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Um... I didn't hear. I didn't hear about that Apple. I had a feeling because it like it showed up like moments before the episode in my feed. <laughs> that's um. I'd like to hear more about it, but I feel like that's going to irritate me. Probably. Um, okay, we are drinking <clears throat> one of uh, many pumpkin beers that will have to come in the uh, coming episodes because we had quite a few left over from. I mean, we got to sample them all from from sure. the pumpkin beer outing, but we have quite a few left over, so we figured, why not use them for the show? Um, so this is Shipyard Brewing Company's Smashed Pumpkin. It's ale with natural flavors. Uh, it's got a uh, fun little jack-o'-lantern face on the front. Uh, and on the back it says, Smashed Pumpkin Season with Shipyard Smashed Pumpkin. This big-bodied beer pours a light copper orange with pleasing aromas of pumpkin, cinnamon, and burnt sugar. Balanced by a mild, lingering sweetness and a slightly warm, bitter finish, Smash Pumpkin is the perfect beer for when the temperature starts to drop. To fully enjoy all the flavors, this ale is best drunk at 55 degrees Fahrenheit. I gotta say, <clears throat> after pouring it, that scent immediately hitting me in the face, I am upset that I did not think to rim the glass with cinnamon and sugar. I uh, that like would have been a, that would have been a good fit for this for sure. It would have been um, very tasty. Um, treat. I have some other information at the bottom here. It's 20 IBUs, 9.0% alcohol by volume. Hmm. It's made with pale, whole wheat, and Munich malts. It's got Willamette and Sapphire hops. And, and then I have a series of pictograms at the bottom. <laughs> uh, it pairs perfectly with leaves. So I guess autumn. F- fall. Falling a glass, leaves. A glass. <laughs> Football and candy. I'm just the glass is my favorite one. I think <laughs> the falling leaf is is great. That's probably my new favorite icon. But the glass is brilliant. Yes. Pour me uh, in a this, glass. <laughs> this was brewed by Shipyard Brewing Company in Rochester, New York. Um, pretty straightforward. A little understated can art. Pure orange. One black pane with. Orange and goofy, white lettering. Goofy little pumpkin guy on there. I like and that. And a goofy little pumpkin. A classic looking pumpkin uh, jack-o'-lantern face. A very happy one. Yeah. One with a little bit of mischief in his eye. Which one? <laughs> the <lemon>. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, shall we give this sucker another taste? Yes, please. Cheers. Mmm, yeah. That's good stuff. That is good. Um, little, hang on, a little something there. This trends a little towards more of the pumpkin pie type of beer, where it definitely has actual pumpkin in it, but it's spiced like pumpkin pie. Yeah, there's a little bit of an earthiness there that I'm not 
loving? Uh, there is, but that's what actual pumpkin tastes like. That's what squash tastes like. No, I disagree. I cook a lot of squash. <laughs> it doesn't taste like dirt. <laughs> well, not every squash is the same, obviously. Sure. I've also made a lot of pumpkin. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know what how, how much pumpkin stuff you made. Uh, no, but, but that could like... also be from the hops too, though. Yeah. Uh, there I... was there was one other. I think there was another beer that we had on the night of the pumpkin tasting that was like super earthy, and I don't think it was this one. I don't remember, and I couldn't smell those. That's true. <laughs> You're um, having some technical difficulties during the tasting. Yes, uh, my nose was not ideal. Uh, so I'm looking, maybe it could be hop aroma that you're getting. Uh, I'm not familiar with sapphire hops. I know the name, but I've never used them. And I don't know of anything specific that I've drank that has it. So I'm, yeah. I'm more familiar with Willamette hops, though, again, I've never used them. Um, neither of them has anything about earthiness to it. It does it does seem like it is from the aroma though? I held my nose on that one, and as soon as I released it, I tasted that earthy flavor. It could be for it, but those aren't any of the leading notes um, hmm. for those. Could also just be they didn't wash them pumpkins. That's that's what I think happened. You know, the funny thing is, right out of the dirt into the pot. I smell I smell the yeast <laughs> at the top uh, of, of the <laughs> nose of the beer. I'm uncomfortable about that statement, but go on. <laughs> I smell the yeast in this beer um, right on the nose of it, but. Mm. Um, it is filtered and quite clear. It's not hazy like most yeah. unfiltered beers would be like that. Yeah, you can see right through this sucker. Yeah. Perfect, not, pretty healthy for a it's good. beer. It's it's decent. It's not my favorite. I don't think I uh, I don't think I'm a fan of the shipyard pumpkin beers as much as I am some of the other pumpkin beers that we had. Uh, this is not the first one that I've had from them. Okay. There's a other standard one that they have that was in the glass bottle that I spent way too much time looking for, which is the the one that it's I thought we were doing. We're it's <laughs> exact. It's absolutely not the one we're drinking, uh, and that one is okay. Uh, I think I actually might like that one a little bit better than this one, but Shipyard is not my favorite. I, I know I've had other of their stuff, but I honestly can't um, recall any of them specifically, or or what I my impressions of them would be. Yeah, I I mean. That's not to say this is bad. I will drink this entire thing and I will enjoy ninety percent of it. Uh, <laughs> when you say when you say that, do you mean a hundred percent of the experience will be enjoyed ninety percent, or you won't drink all hundred percent of the beer? You'll drink ninety percent of it. The former. Okay. The former. Every sip that I take will have ninety percent enjoyment factor. <laughs> that's... Okay, good. That, that's that's good because I didn't want to think that you were wasting the end of the beer. Oh no, no, I'm not a monster. <laughs> 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 Shall we dive in? Uh, sure. So our first uh, our first topic here, a no-brainer. Stanley passed this week. We're all upset. And here's the thing. I uh, generally when an actor or um, you know a director or someone in Hollywood that I admire passes away, I think like I, I get you know sad for a minute reading the story, and it's like oh that's a real bummer like, and that 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 sucks. But for what like for whatever <clears throat> reason this one, I. And like I don't, I don't know Stan Lee, you know. I don't even know mm -hmm. much about him. I just know that the impact that he's had on the movies and the pop culture that I love so much. And throughout the day, after hearing that, and the days that followed, I was just like, every once in a while, I would just get a little sad. I would just be like, what am I, what am I down about? Oh, 
oh, that's weird. <laughs> like I don't I, like I said, I don't know, don't know this guy, but still, still had that 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 much of an effect, and I'm sure it's that way for many people. And it's just I was ha- I was really enjoying all the wonderful things that people were saying about him. Yeah. Some, sometimes social media can be can be nice, but uh, yeah, this is a, it's a bummer, man. But I, but a great, what a legacy is really what yeah. is what I texted you after. I was very upset, you know. I was like, "Oh man, this really sucks." But like, that's the immediate thought that followed was, "Could you imagine leaving that body behind? <laughs> like everything that this man has created?" Um, no, I cannot. It's because... it's it's absolutely insane. <clears throat> We're talking about like a sixty-year career. It's it's unreal, and just I I'm just blown away. 95 yeah. good for you yeah for well, that's, you. that's the thing that I, I found is like yeah it's sad because we're gonna miss him and we you know we get we don't get to see many more of his cameos and you know he's just a guy who's made so many of us happy but on the other hand it's like he'll be so sad like he lived a much fuller life yeah. than many people ever could or would um he got to experience everything and he lived to a ripe old age i surely wish i make it to 95 right exactly and it, but then you were like well we all like not you You weren't being a dick you were just like well we all knew this was gonna happen and, and yeah, this wasn't one of those ones like like an alan rickman who we yeah. didn't know he was ill like taken too and soon. Yeah. in his early 60s you know and it was very sudden we knew about his failing health for a while at when you're 95 years old even if you're in great health anything can happen at any time and i guess that could happen to anyone but you know the odds go up as you reach there so this you kind of knew it was coming one of these days, unfortunately, and and unfortunately, it finally came. And the child in me was just like, "No, this man is going to live forever." It, it. Sometimes it can feel like that. Yeah, it's it's crazy, but uh, I I had seen a, like a video, someone mashed up all of his cameos and everything as like you know all the the Stanley cameos and all the Marvel things, mm-hmm. which was fun. What I found myself uh, seeking out was his because he got pretty extended sequence in Mallrats. Yeah, oh, so I watched. I watched. Love be a vulture tonight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that's that's a great one. Yeah, but it's just a congrats on a like incredible legacy. That's just to stand. Cheers. <laughs> uh, with that, I uh, I came obviously you know reading a lot of posts, a lot of articles, different things like that. Just kind of enjoying enjoying all of his works and things that were left behind. But I came across numerous. Numerous Marvel film rankings again, which, you know, we get these almost weekly, but it felt relevant to, to, to look <laughs> well, at. Well, they certainly it. update every time there's a new one that comes out. Yeah. And I uh, I decided this one was the impetus for this was obviously his passing. And I was like, oh, I went through a few of them. And this particular one stood out to me. And I'd like to run through this list of the top 20, the, sorry, the 20 best Marvel films ranked. And this is from The Guardian. Okay. And the reason I chose this list to go over is because right out of the gate, we're picking 20 movies. Right out of the gate, I go, huh, how's this list going to be? So the first, <laughs> the first, well, I guess number 20 on the list, Ghost Rider. <laughs> Thoughts? <laughs> uh, I think my laughter says it all. So it's, it's a no, no list of Marvel film or any films can be without Nicolas Cage. I was like, that's 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 silly. If that's your rationale, right. I'll allow it. But then it should have really been an honorable mention. 
I yeah, I'll agree with that. But let's let's keep going down the list and and pause me anytime that you are concerned. And I if that if we're if that's making it on the list. There's going to be other stuff that shouldn't be on this list. You know what? I think in a lot of cases what you're going to be annoyed about is the order at which certain things are on the list. But let's just let's just start moving. Sure. Number, that, number probably 20, too. <laughs> Ghost Rider. Number 19, Ant-Man. Okay. I mean, it's certainly not the most essential of them. Sure. Number 18, Spider-Man Homecoming. Glad to see that on the top 20. I appreciate that. Don't really. Um, I don't really have a, a – I don't really care so much where in the list it is. I'd have to spend time to come up with what the top 20, but that should be on it somewhere. And I'm not surprised it's on the lower end of it. Yeah. Number 17, X-Men Days of Future Past. Mm, no. I'm, yeah, I'm not 100% sure how I feel about that one. I, I, I enjoy I mean, it. If we had to compare that and Ghost Rider, I'm okay with that <laughs> then, making it then, on the Yes, list. it is better than Ghost Rider. <laughs> Yes, from that standpoint, maybe, I agree. Oh, maybe that's what this writing genius was doing. <laughs> maybe he was setting it up so that you would have to rationalize it, and that would always win. Uh, I, you know, the thing is, as you're like saying, like Ghost Rider, I'm like, oh, so there's gonna be a lot of things that aren't part of the MCU on this. Yeah. Which, okay, um, Marvel properties. Yeah. So the first two X Men should probably make it on a list, whether they be twenty or thirty, whatever. They should be on a list, um, and uh, First Class and Logan are, I'm fine with both of those, making a list. Sure. Whether or not it be this list. But those are those are things I consider for a list of the top movies. All right, well, let's, let's, keep, let's keep cruising then. So X-Men Days of Future Past coming in at 17. Number 16, Spider-Man 2002. Sure. Fair enough. We already, we already talked about Woman Defoe being incredible. Iron Hang Man. on a second. Hang on a second. Um, are you gonna clean that up? Sorry, the pe- <laughs> the peanut gallery is making a lot of mess over here. <laughs> are, you, are you gonna clean? Are you gonna take care of that? Well, because uh, I just heard the sound of plastic hitting the ground, and I'm sure you did too. And I just thought it was an empty cup, and it wasn't. That's unfortunate. Number sixteen was Spider Man. Number fifteen, Iron Man. Okay. Okay. Number fourteen. This is what I thought was interesting. Thor. Mm, the first half of Thor rated higher than the original Iron Man. Yeah, that's not right. Seems incorrect to me. Number thirteen, yes. Doctor Strange. Also odd. Less uh, odd than Thor, but less okay. Odd than Thor. Number twelve, and an absolute more likely. This I think what bothers me about this one is the twelve, definitely a top ten. Logan. Yes. Number eleven, Avengers: Infinity War. Okay. Fair. Number 10, Deadpool. Okay. Number 9, here's where Ant-Man and the Wasp. I don't think that we need Uh, two Ant-Man That one I need to see again before I can really try and get it like a ranking amongst them. I was thinking about it earlier, and I don't remember if I like this one more or less than the first one. Yeah. I know I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think I may like it more. I'm not not certain. I would have to rewatch both of them. Yes, but either well, I've way, seen the, I've seen the first one plenty enough times. I'd need to see the second one a second time. And this might just be how I would do a list, but I wouldn't personally put two of the same property that are that close together on the same top list, unless one of them, unless um, they both really, really, really deserve to be there. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily have an issue with that um, because some people's list. Uh, I mean, there's going to be two Avengers on this. 
so let's keep moving. <laughs> Are you telling me that no. the first one didn't no, make it? No, it's, it's on there. Uh, okay. so number nine is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Number eight is X-Men, the original. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Number seven, Iron Man 3. <laughs> you know what? There is a pretty staunch subdivision of Marvel fans that are a big fan of that movie. Hmm. I yeah. could kind of take it or leave it. I'm fine. I like it better than two, but for some reason, it just feels a little hollow to me. Yeah, there was there was something there's something off about it. Doesn't feel it's quite just right. Something missing. Yeah. Tighten. Tight. Tighten Tight. it up. Uh, number six. And here's what's interesting is how this one is listed. Marvel Avengers Assemble. The original what? working title of the movie. Uh, what? I don't know. Now you're just being difficult. So number six was, Marvel, was the original Avengers. Number five is Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. I can get behind that one. Number four, Spider-Man 2. Okay. Number three. I'm going to give you... I would like to give you five guesses for number three. I'm for number three or the top three? For number three. I am fairly certain I can give you 20 guesses, and you are not going to get number three. <laughs> okay, the only hint I'm going to ask for is, is it part of the MCU? No. Is oh, wow, it, are we just going to 20 questions this? Because that would actually be even more fun. <laughs> is it one of the Blade trilogy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is it Blade 2? It is. Blade wow. 2. Wow, good for you. It's a pretty excellent movie. It is. I just didn't think you were going to get there that quickly. I appreciate that. Well done. Number two, Black Panther. That's uh, probably too high, but okay. I, I would agree. Number one, and here's where... Here's De where definitely list... top ten, but not top three. Here's where the list pulled me back in. Is <laughs> number one. Um. Okay. It may be my current number one as well. Okay. Which one is that? I don't know. I feel like you've changed your top number. Oh, one. it. It. I mean, it's. It might as well just be a dart on a dartboard. Because <laughs> my guess would have been Guardians, and that's obviously not your number one because that was number five. It's a uh, Guardian. Yeah, I, I flip flop between Guardians and and this one. I think maybe one or two other ones as well. But this one's this one's one of them. Hence my confusion. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I've definitely said at one point, I think this is one of the ones that I've said probably on the show. I think this is my favorite Marvel movie. <laughs> okay. Are you going to tell me? I'm waiting for you to guess. Oh, um, is it is it now The Winter Soldier? It's not. No. Well, it's criminal. That's not on the top. Two. I was going to say, that's this is where I feel like we're just going to lose it. We're not even going to get to the guess of what it actually is because now you're just going to be thinking about how are none of the Captain America movies. No, I already list. assumed that that was going to be the case by the fact that it didn't make the top four. Mm. So, mm. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure which one. Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm a huge fan of Ragnarok. This Piss list off. is all Piss over off, the ghost. place. <laughs> What'd you say? It's off, Ghost. <laughs> I love that movie. I, uh, also, probably one of my favorite Stanley cameos in the Marvel movies. Which one was that one? He, oh, when he does the haircut. He cut, cuts his hair off. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is wacky. Yeah. Um, we could do a lot better list than this. I think we need to uh, – we do need to sit down. We should We should do this We should and record the whole thing. The arguments, us no longer being friends, no longer being family. And then coming spe back spe together. Speaking of which, I have a pretty good plan for that coming up eventually. Excellent. Is it our holiday episode? 
No. No, we, uh, that, that's already been recorded. <laughs> All right, sweet. So that list is just it's, – it's just funny. I just – I feel like it was – some of it just seems very arbitrary, but it's it was interesting. I don't I don't have a problem with Bleed 2 making it onto that list. It probably should not be top five. I added it to the Flipboard magazine. If you guys want to check it out, like I said, it's from The Guardian. The only thing I would say is we're not obviously diving into this article like word for word, but you can read the blurb that is posted about each one, and it is kind of cool to, to read that stuff. But uh, yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Not not our top twenty list. No, no. Some some overlap. Definitively not. That's actually a good way for us to do an episode, like <laughs> not where we eat to, as like a filler episode to record it when we have a chance, uh-huh. and then we can release it when we need something. Like yeah, let's let's make that a thing. Also, we we need to get together and record an, an episode. The last we time we did that was our annual Easter episode. It's been way way too long. We haven't done an in person episode in a long time. We will travel back in time for an in-person holiday episode. True. So there's that. Maybe. Maybe I'm still scarred. <laughs> Moving on, would you like to... I assume you have news and nuggets. I do. Would you like to take the reins for one of those? Uh, Sure. Um, yeah. Let's do a small one. Okay. Uh, yes, Yesterday, me and um, my brother Dominic, who is in peanut the background gallery. here. The peanut gallery today. Um... Me and him brewed some beer yesterday. Oh, yes. And we decided to get a little wild, a little adventurous. Wild and, and we made a holiday spiced red ale. Okay. Okay. What are, uh, what are these holiday spices? It's got cinnamon, mm-hmm. nutmeg, okay. ginger, and sweet orange peel. Ooh. Okay. Huh? Yeah. That's... I like that. That sounds real nice. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited. Me too. When, when is this one going to be available? Uh, it'll be ready in about a month, so mid December. I see what you, you did there. <laughs> you know, you know what day it'll be ready for precisely? December fifteenth. December fifteenth. You know what day? <laughs> you know what day day that is? The <laughs> Bielsi. I'm trying to squat. I'm trying to think of some ridiculous the army the Bielsi army holiday party. <laughs> Uh, it's typically called the BLC Scholarship Dinner, um, but that being said, it is the BLC Holiday Party. It happens once a year, and the it's, clan comes together. The clan and its extended hanger-ons uh, all come together <laughs> yeah, for a day of, of yeah, you uh, among among others. You're not alone in that. I'm an extended um, hanger-on. I appreciate that. <laughs> come together for. Hey man, uh, I made the slideshow. I'm I'm good. You did. I'm sold. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, because you are family, even if you're not that side of the family. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I think dinner. I can bring a select stock uh, of those for the that day. So good, good. Well, that'll be good. I'm excited. Oh man, I really want to taste that. I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here drinking this smashed pumpkin, thinking all these holiday spices and wonderfulness that you're pitching my way. Ugh. Well, you did get to drink some some uh, spiced pumpkinish porter the other day. I did, I did. I drank entirely too much of it. I drank the big bottle. Yeah. And I filled up the big glass. Yep. And the glass was not full. I mean, the glass was full, but the bottle was not empty. Well, it's like twenty two ounces of beer. So. There's a little bit more to go. And uh, I uh, I felt that one afterwards. <laughs> it, was, it was. Uh, it, it's of moderate strength. It's good. It's good. I I think my tolerance is just gone. I think that's what the problem is, but it was it was good. Although although the other night 
We did pretty good. We did pretty good on the uh, on the pumpkin beer night. We did great, and also on the night where we each drank a bottle of whiskey, did fine. <laughs> I, I didn't hear about the whiskey night, but I was no, like, when we oh, when oh, we went to whiskey, whiskey tasting. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was gonna say you handled yourself perfectly well on uh, pumpkin beer night. Um, you made it to the end, unlike many others. Yeah, I'm not a quitter. All right, <laughs> moving on. Do, would you like which of these two stories? Would you like first the Star Wars Is movies it- that we that were canceled that we'll never get or okay. the Apple A24 partnership. Uh let's go with Apple A24. All right. So app um this is came from uh entertainment ew. what whatever. It's it's on a bunch entertainment of entertainment weekly. D- different yeah, different a bunch of different platforms. Um but basically Apple and A24 there's a partnership going on there for certain films to be produced in a multi-year deal that will air on Apple's platform. Uh, it's not decided whether, or it's not like really said whether or not those films will also make it to theaters. I don't know if they're deciding that still, or if they just don't have the language yet, or whatnot. But that's basically the deal. Apple is starting their own premium service where they'll have content made directly for it, and nothing else, exclusive content, all this. So basically, you know how you know how you know sub- you subscribe to everything until you have no money left. They're yeah. they're, they're adding to that, and um, but a twenty four is a if if there was one thing. That you could have said to get me to try this, that was probably it. Yeah, uh, it's disappointing because I'm worried they're going to ruin the good thing that they've got going. I am curious as well about that. I am sh- I'm wondering, though, if, if the movies still get to theaters, then there's no problem. Yeah. I have no um, issue with it. Yeah, that's true. No, I'm not worried about that aspect of it, honestly. I'm worried about them meddling because the, of this partnership. That's what I'm worried about. I don't. It doesn't seem so much that I. Well, I don't know because it's not. A so it's just deal. a limited partnership, right? They didn't buy ownership in them or anything. Correct. It's just a partnership, okay. and then it's just that's, for. That's probably fine then. Whatever. Yeah, it's just for like exclusivity for the debuts on like this Apple service. Sometimes these sorts of things though worry me that they're like lease with the option to buy. Right. I can. I can see that. But I. I don't know. They're doing such an incredible job. I can see like it's probably a vote of confidence and there's definitely a following to those movies. So yeah. us included. Yeah, so no, we, a, we love it. They're like our, subscription. They're our favorite like smaller studio. A24 has been crushing it with yeah, like it's basically everything that we've attempted to go see. But uh, yeah, like I said though, if they're, if they're going to continue to release in theaters, then great. Partner up all you want. But yeah. don't Take my movies out of the theaters. I'm guessing they're probably going to do like that limited release thing, like what Netflix is doing, that allows them to actually have it be Oscar yeah. viable. And that's probably like A24 is like, sure, but you have to do this because we're going to win some shit. <laughs> yeah, because like, yeah, because it's like, hey, you realize the whole reason that we matter is because we have an incredibly high rate of success of getting things nominated Man. and winning. I. What what if this if this helps them great because the more the more that we can do to support a twenty four I'm I am all for it. Oh yeah, I'm totally down for them having money to be successful. I just worry about them having Apple as overlords. Sure, and that was the and my initial reaction when I read it too. I was like, what does this mean? <laughs> I was like, do not don't 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 screw this up. It's great right now. <laughs> yeah, don't kill the golden goose. But uh, I I think if it like is if it's just a partnership, you're just gonna get that boost, and if it's just for like you know exclusivity for like where it's going to stream after the fact i'm fine with it i really don't care because i that doesn't bother me i still go to the movies and i still buy movies i don't 
really well, care. Where, wherever it is that I'm going to watch it, I just want to know that what I'm getting into is going to be a quality mm-hmm. offering. And they have been doing that. I'm not like I've seen every one of their movies because they're ramping up their production as it goes. Right. But they're not getting too big for their britches. They're expanding at like a predetermined pace. You know what I mean? And they're putting out quality stuff, even the stuff that I haven't seen seem to be very well regarded and stuff that I want, might want to check out later on, even if it's not when it comes out. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's that. So we'll keep it. We'll definitely be keeping our eyes on that and seeing what happens there because a 24 near and dear to our hearts. Uh, would you like to take it away with a news and or nugget? Sure. Um, you, do you only have that one star Wars one left? Correct. Oh, cause okay. Well, I have a star Wars one as well, so I'll leave that till later. Sounds so we good. don't, Double up our Star Wars. Um, let's go with Bad Boys for Life. Oh, okay. Um, Bad Boys 3. This is a uh, from comicbook.com. Bad Boys 3 gets a cringeworthy title, and I would like to shout out an assist from the Peanut Gallery, who brought this to my attention shortly before the episode. So thank you, Dominic. Um, so it's officially titled Bad Boys for Life, but with a 3 instead of the E. Um, (laughs) doing what it would have been worth dropping a horrible third movie just so you can use a four (laughs) yes Um, I'm actually surprised it's not bad boys four life three oh my god Um, no but yeah doing what the the the, uh, absolutely like cowardly like F8 of the furious refused to do um yep if you're gonna do this and it's a big dumb movie be big and dumb with your title f8 of the furious was the biggest and dumbest of the movies yeah get big and dumb with your title yeah i I completely agree so i applaud this dumb movie for deciding to lean into the dumb okay all right that's 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 right i i'm I'm just i i really enjoy bad boys (laughs) i really want to see a third i'm sure it's i don't think it's going to be good (laughs) <laughs> but I'm definitely gonna watch it. I, I mean, I know people um, love these. I I've seen all of two, although I don't really remember it that well because I mostly have seen it broken up into different like component parts. Um, I don't even know if I've ever seen all of the first one. The thing is, the first one's good too. They did lean in to the humor and the let's be ridiculous, and that that movie is laugh out loud funny. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm excited for is more of I- that. Because I mean, everyone knows and talks about the scene where um, Martin Lawrence's uh, daughter's boyfriend comes to uh, the house. Like, it's, it's a great, great scene. scene. Everyone enjoys it. Um, <clears throat> the scene where they go to the boss's house and he's on, yep. was it on acid or on ecstasy? leather mic? Ecstasy. <laughs> ecstasy, yeah. That's a nice um, fucking fish. Big yeah, that's nice. a nice fucking, a nice fucking fish. Call <laughs> the wife. <laughs> Um, oh the, the scene where they're in the morgue and he li- lays down on the slab with the naked girl, like <laughs> yeah. Or honestly, I love the captain, Joe Pantaleon. Um, yeah. He what is he? Uh, um, I can't remember the, the exact numbers, but early on in the movie, you crash twenty seven cars and a boat. <laughs> How'd you sink a boat? <laughs> <laughs> they have him rubbing his ears, and he's doing his woosa, woosa. <laughs> oh man, I, that movie cracks me up. But yes, the uh, the the Martin Lawrence high on ecstasy scene is probably the best. That's my yes. that. 
I absolutely love it. But yeah, I'm, I'm in for this. We should probably do... We should probably do, like, just a Bad Boys trilogy episode, though. All three together? Yeah. Right. I'd have to watch the first two to do that, but okay. Yeah, like, and you, you can watch them over time. This movie's not coming out for a while, right? Oh, yeah, no. I, I don't even know if they've fully gotten into production. It's probably a 20... It's late 2019. It's probably, like... It's probably, like, summer 2020. Like Could right, be. Like, Could blockbuster be. time 2020. Feels like the right time for something like that. I'm excited for that. Sweet. Um, so, well, to give a, well, uh, you know, you, know, you can go ahead if you want. Um, I was like, cause I have one very small nugget, one medium sized new and <laughs> one very potentially very large nugget. Okay. All right. Let's, let's get into this and then I'll just let you take it away. So okay. I came across this little, this little, uh, jammy earlier today from digital spy and it was the six star Wars movies that you'll never get to see. Mind you, they immediately screw up the count here because the first one is three movies. <laughs> uh, but the first, the first one, and it just got me thinking. That's the only. Now, are these things that like were rumored to have existed, or is it just something that they're saying we're never going to get? They were rumored to have existed, okay. or have actually been like more more than just a thought. Okay. So the first one is episodes seven, eight, nine from George Lucas. Okay. So Move his on. version of that. And I am, while I'm very happy we're getting what we are getting, there is a part of me that is very curious what that would have been. Maybe in a, in a different time, under different circumstances, but... Like, like the way not things that long down. after three. Like, I would like to, you know, if they kept it going. Yeah. I would have been interested to see that. It would have been more interesting to see that if he made that starting in, say, 1990. Hmm. That's fair. Where you could use the original cast and it's like, hey, this is 10 years later type of thing. Yeah. That would that, that I that would have been cool. I would have liked By the that. time the prequels came out, you know, the first one came out, was it was 17 years later or 14 years later or something like that? Sometime, I don't sometime at best. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then that goes from two, uh, 1999 to 2005. And then we're going to give it a break because we get a break between trilogy. Which I, I understand a break, whether it be a fucking 20-year break. Right. Um, but at that point, he was never going to make any more of them. And we were all kind of soured on that anyway. Mm -hmm. If they had done that in that gap, right? You know, because the, the originals, were, the, the, they came out, what, 77, 80, and 83? I think so. That sounds right. So if you come out with the first one in 1990 or 1993, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I would have totally been on board for that. And then the prequels come out in the early, mid-2000s, whatever. Yeah. Great. Fine. Yeah. But other than that, like the way things went, I I, I wasn't looking forward to more Lucas-made movies, Lucas-helmed movies. That's a, and that's the thing. I, I don't want to mislead you. I don't necessarily want those movies. I am curious as to what they would be. I mean, if he had gone back to the way they had done it originally, well, quote, I'll say quote unquote originally, with him at the top, like as the idea man yeah. and help write the script and, you know, dabble a little bit, but letting someone else do the actual directing and someone else who can say no in the writer's room. Um, the way it was with Empire and Return of the Jedi, yeah. then I would have been fine with it. But it's obvious that 
him completely unrestrained with the prequels isn't yeah it's blessing that's and where curse. It falls there's, apart. Oh, there's plenty of good in those movies mm-hmm. there's just so much bad as well sure so you i mean you get the best and the worst of him hmm. well we'll never know but uh the next the next one on the list of the Boba Fett movie slash movies um uh, at this point I don't care he's uh, he's he's all hype no substance yeah that's uh, but more on that later uh the next one on this list is the droid movie and that I thought was interesting it was just a an idea this was early on uh Lucas was thinking about making a just a movie about R2-D2 and C-3PO or a series of movies with the adventures They've, of these characters. That would have that is something that I'm glad didn't happen. That probably could have happened. Yeah, um, but the thing is they basically did that with all the shows and stuff. Yes. By exactly. putting them in everything and they get plenty yes. of run in the Clone Wars and as well as cheaper. in the prequel movies. Yeah. I don't mind them finding opportunities like that, and they're still involved, you know what I mean? And I don't have a problem with that. Um, they do not need a standalone movie. There was a thought that there would be a all-Wookiee movie, just about the Wookiee homeland. <laughs> um, I, w- one might argue that they did that anyway. <laughs> there is a Moss Eisley spaceport movie. That I might be able to get behind. Just I would love. I just want to see all these creepy, weird ass characters. Just a more around. wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yeah. <laughs> all sorts of chaos in there. That, that could I have think been interesting. It's possible we may be getting that in the Mandalorian, though. Right, and that's what I'm curious about. Is if you'll see more, like if you will get to see some of these areas that we have explored before, just in more depth. Well, all I know is that those first set show, set photos that they showed, it looked like he was in Mos Eisley. Yeah. Or just another sand town with buildings. <laughs> well, uh, but it wasn't just sand. It was that specific look of on the streets and like a marketplace. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. It, de- it definitely does look that way. Um, and the final one on the list was Splinter of the Mind's Eye. And this is an interesting one. This was a... That was book, one of the expanded universe things, wasn't it? Correct. Uh, by Alan Dean Foster. And I know, I know that name. I don't think I ever read that book, though. Written with the theory that if A New Hope flopped they could make this movie next but since a new hope was went well they ended up expanding and making that more cohesive trilogy out of it okay what was the splinter of a mind's eye about or what was the um hang on let's see i think i could pull it up here so I definitely know that 19- I've heard it before. But I'll read this blurb from Digital Spy. Written in 1978 with the intention of being adapted into a movie, Alan Dean Foster's novel follow Luke and Leia marooned on a swampy planet and going in search of a force-enhancing crystal. There was a strange old woman and some hairy aboriginal creatures that sound a little similar to Yoda and the Wookiees, while Han Solo was confined to a brief mention at the end. <laughs> Thankfully... A New Hope was a massive hit and led to an even more success with The Empire Strikes Back. Splinter of the Mind's Eye is still a definitive story in the defunct, expanded universe. Okay. Yeah, I, something that, like, it rings a bell with me. I've definitely heard mentioned before, but I, I've never read it. Yeah, it's crazy how many of those expanded universe books exist and are now dismissed. But the thing is, they are all steadily... Not all, but a lot of them are steadily getting pulled into. And that's why I, I'm kind of losing – not kind of. I have been actively losing patience with people griping about what's going on with the canon. Mm. They are pretty 
steadily pulling the best most important the stuff best pieces yeah which i you know good for and you know people are just going to be mad because it's a thing that they liked that's fine sure i mean it really comes down to it at the end of it's just not what you expected because mm-hmm. i went through th- some shock with that not so much with the force awakens but with um the last jedi i went through some shock of oh wow this is really not what i expected and i was good with that mm-hmm. like it because i realized i don't know what i expected actually you right. know what I mean? <laughs> like it's hard to actually put it to words what it was into like a full cohesive thing like there was theories i had about where it might go and stuff like that um and some of it i guess kind of maybe popped up but most of it didn't and I'm good with it because what came out was good on its own, and totally agree. I mean, we're uh, the the biggest problem that the, the Star Wars fanship is dealing with is that it's the battle between forging something new and dealing with your own hangups with nostalgia, right? Um, and people complained about the Force Awakens, rightfully, I think, that it was just about the nostalgia, right? There was a whole fucking season of South Park about it, basically. Um, <laughs> Right, because it was it was a pretty close carbon copy of right. Episode Four, um, which is so funny because the people, a lot of people that are mad about Eight were like, "It's not Empire." It's like, yeah, what well, do so you like, want? People, <laughs> there was a really loud hue and cry that Episode Seven was too close to Episode Four. We don't want to repeat. So this, they listened and they gave you yeah. something you didn't see before. <laughs> oh my god! Like that it or not, suck. and um, and it's it's not perfect. I can't stress enough. Like that's it, it. Seems like that's a big hang up between the people who liked it and didn't like it. It's like you don't have to agree with everything that happened, right? To be <laughs> able to enjoy it and appreciate it. And there can be things that are less good about it, or that you don't enjoy about it, or that don't work for you. That doesn't ruin it. Like it's not perfect, but it's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, and another issue I have just in general, which we don't have to get into, is. Um, a lot of people don't understand the difference between something going wrong or being convenient or inconvenient and not being plot holes. And you're going to need to throw a shoe at him. Yeah, I know. He's been starring for a bit. Uh, <laughs> it's been getting louder and louder. Um, yeah, no, it's just uh, there's a difference between a plot hole yeah. and someone doing something stupid written into the script or doing something that doesn't work out. Like just because something doesn't go right, doesn't mean it was a plot hole (laughs) or just because it's slightly inconsistent or not fully explained. doesn't make it a plot hole. And because I see a lot of that online and in conversation I've had with people. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. The thing you're talking about is something you disagree with or something that's, yeah, that was a dumb thing the character did, but they're human, mortal, fallible. It's not a plot hole. You understand? Like, uh, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah, and that's so. I mean, but it's fine. Like, it, it happens. Yeah, we'll all get over it. Like, it's not a big deal. I mean, we got over it. I don't, I don't think everybody's gonna get over it. It's great. It's a great movie. I love yeah. it. All right, that's it. That's all I've got for news and nuggets. I'm gonna allow you to take over from here. All right, let's uh, let's cleanse the palate. Not that, to say there's a bad thing, just to get into a new topic with a very light, easy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a quick nugget. Um, I was going to see the Struts play, and anyone who knows of them, they're a pretty big band, and they were playing at Newburgh Brewing. Um, 
who, well, we are friends with them, whether or not they're fully friends with us on the show. <laughs> I don't want to say that they're a friend of the podcast. That's because great. Kind of a one-way relationship. We like their beer a lot, especially me. I am friends with people there, including one of the, <laughs> one of the owners. Um, but uh, we have yet to secure funding and sponsorship from them. That's amazing. <laughs> um, mostly because I have an ass. Um, but they host once a month uh, via one of the uh, radio stations up here um, a free concert series with a bunch of different bands. And some of them are bands that you barely have heard of or have never heard of. But they've had a bunch of legit bands there too. And the Struts is one of the biggest ones. Like they're a big legit band. Last night they were on Jim, with Jimmy Fallon. Mm. And so today they drove up the hour north to where I live to play this free show at one of our favorite breweries. That's I was going to cool. go. I didn't go because of snow, which is very unfortunate. Uh, but that is a really cool thing. Um, that they do there, and if anyone who's listening to us is in the Hudson Valley area, you should check out when they do those free shows because it's cool, and you should drink their beer because it's awesome. Also, it's I've been to a, a, a decent number of breweries at this point. I really like that place. Yes, it's cool. Uh, the, the layout, it's just, the atmosphere, it's just really, it's really great, and the beer is fantastic. So yeah, it's all around, all around a good choice if you're in the area. Nice. Um, yeah. So now I have two things left. Do you want? Something else Star Wars related, or do you want the other somewhat surprise? I want the Star Wars thing. I want to save the onions for the end. Okay, <laughs> save the onions for the end. Uh, so the last thing is uh, in a follow-up to something we've discussed in recent weeks. Uh, we're finally getting casting news for The Mandalorian. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so Gina Carano has been cast as one of the leads in The Mandalorian. And who is that? Uh, she is a former... MMA fighter, uh, and she is an actress now. She was in Deadpool. She was Ed Screen's bodyguard, the the chick who's like his right-hand man. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. She, the first thing I ever saw her and I was ever familiar with her was she was the lead in the movie Haywire. It was a Steven Soderbergh movie. Really good cast. It was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will allow you to take a moment and go punch him in the stomach. <laughs> hey, Dominic. Hey, Dominic. <laughs> we'll start throwing coasters at him. You're the worst. Hey, Dominic. That was a loud thwap. Did that hit him in the face? No, no. It hit him and then it bounced and fell on the floor. Oh, okay. Hey, Dominic. <laughs> this is amazing. This makes for great radio. <laughs> you're, uh, you're snoring on the show again. Oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not good at waking up and talking. Oh, sweet. Um, there's been a lot of good stories about that. He did one the other day. I don't even remember what he said, but it was hilarious, and he doesn't remember. I forgot to bring him back up to him later. That's great. Um, <laughs> so, do, do, are you familiar with the movie Haywire? Getting back to Gina Carano? I am not. Um, it came out maybe five-ish years ago. Okay. Um, she was the lead in that she plays an assassin, and... She works for, I don't even remember if he was a assassin or if he's just like a contractor to like, like hiring these sorts of people. Um, it was uh, Ewan McGregor. Okay. And so she and Channing Tatum and um, that guy whose name I can't remember. Uh, the guy who played young Magneto in the new X-Men movies. 
Oh. I just on his name. Fassbender? Yes, Michael Fassbender is another one. Um, her father was Bill Paxton. Like it was like it was like, a good cast. Okay. Um, and like she uses like she shows off like it was kind of Atomic Blonde before Atomic Blonde, but in a modern setting. Oh, that's cool. Uh, it was actually it, a pretty solid movie. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a Steven Soderbergh movie. Like he's like a good director. Um, it was a good movie. Like she did a pretty good job in it. Uh, but the thing is, most of the things I've seen her in since then. Like, she's the star of that movie. Uh, most of the things I've seen her in since, like, she's, like, playing second fiddle or, like, has zero lines in stuff. So I think she's going to be a lead in this. It says the exact nature of her role is being kept under wraps. But in other news, she joins Pedro Pascal in the series, whom Variety reported earlier this week was in negotiations to star. So that rumor is coming to fruition. And who is that? Pedro Pascal is the one we talked about in the last couple of times. He's uh, Agent Whiskey from right, right. Kingsman. And what's his name from Game of Thrones? Oberyn Martell. I'm doing this both for the listener and for myself because, as you know, I do not remember people's names. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I just figured we talked about it so many times recently that you'd probably remember at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's – well, I mean, you know, as soon as you gave me the slightest hint, yes, it came back to me. Uh, yes. That'll be good. I'm I'm excited to check that out. I'm very curious how that show's going to go. Me too. And I don't mean to bring it up nearly every week, but we're now finally getting real tangible um, news from it, um, which you don't have to apologize. I see the hype train building. Yeah, the anticipation it, is rising. The anticipation is rising. <laughs> Fire rises. Uh, so I'm pretty excited for that. I as am I. As am I. So you've got one more. I do. One so more thing for us. <laughs> uh, yeah, waiting so for this I, old goddamn day. <laughs> I, <laughs> so to start this off, uh, I was reading an article that I found to be interesting. It's like, oh, this could be something cool to talk about on the show. And as I read the article more, I was like, this is definitely something we could talk about on the show. And then I came across this paragraph in this article that had – Almost, and I stress almost because it's not entirely nothing to do with the topic itself and what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> so I st- I sent a screenshot to Anthony earlier today from this article. It's an article on The Ringer. Um, uh, you have it handy because I have it pulled up. Yes, I have it handy. Right. Um, so I said to him, I have a new sh- segment for the show. We'll be deb- debuting tonight. This is a sample of the article that I'm reading for it. I'm going to read you the sample I sent to him. There is one major exception onions in the mid 1950s two men successfully schemed to corner the country's onion market storing millions of pounds of onions in giant warehouses so that they could control prices at one point one of the men admitted to owning 98 percent of the onions in the united states they then see that's the part that that drives me crazy is in the screenshot the last two words are they then and then that's it and this <laughs> entire day i've been wondering where does this story go? <laughs> also, what is this about? So here's the thing. So we have some of our recurring segments that aren't weekly, but we use them often enough. We have what, what are we watching? We have killing a narrative. We have reading, the fan favorite. Um, so here is the new segment we're debuting, and it's called Learning. Oh, okay. <laughs> Keeping it so this, simple. <laughs> what? Keeping it simple. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to read you the rest of that paragraph so you know what they then did. Uh, they then flooded the market and short- shorted onions in the futures market as the prices dropped to near zero. 
Their plot made them millions, but crashed the onion market and bankrupted a lot of farmers. It is against the law to make money. Oh, sorry. If it's against the law to make money, said Vincent Kasuga, known as the Onion King of Pine Island, then I'm guilty. Oh, my God. So, funny thing. I read that sentence, Vincent Kasuga, known as the Onion King of Pine Island. I was like, huh. Pine Island. I was just there yesterday. That's where I buy my beer stuff. It must be some other Pine Island. So then I looked up Vincent Kasuga, the Onion King of Pine Island. And nope, it's that Pine Island. It's like 45 <laughs> minutes away from me. And it actually makes perfect sense because it's right in the heart of the Black Dirt region in New York State, which is very well known for being particularly fertile land where a lot of farming goes on. Um, and they produce a ton of food and also now whiskey and beer. Hmm. They sell their barley and wheat to distilleries and breweries and make really good shit with it. So cool. it's kind of cool. And that's cool that there was some near criminal uh who cornered the onion market but that's, that's not why i brought that's it insane this just this just one paragraph was was hysterical to me because this was embedded in an entirely long article about what could have been and that is a stock exchange for future contracts of movie box office sales hmm. so that's what this whole long article was um, the reason the onions thing came up is because I will read what happened right before that paragraph in the CFTC, which uh, I forget what that is exactly, but it's some sort of regulation regulatory body for uh, future trading okay. um, was formed in 1974 to regulate. Oh, sorry. It's the, the, the commodity future trading committee, I think is what it is um, to regulate com commodity futures markets. And it has rarely disapproved contracts since then. The regulations prevent futures contracts based on terrorism, assassination, war, and gaming. But the CFTC works closely with companies like Cantor, which was mentioned earlier, and we'll get to that, to make sure other contracts are always in shape to be approved. In 1977, Senator Frank Church of Idaho tried to ban the trading of potato futures, claiming abuse in the market that hurt his state's most famous product. Time and time again, potato producers from across the nation have been indicated that they have no desire to have trading in futures. He told the Washington Post in support of the potato growers of Idaho and the National Potato Council. They're tired of being the innocent victims of economic power plays by speculators. But the CFTC didn't budge and Church's Potato Futures bill went nowhere. So then it led into the one major exception, onions. Onions, this whole situation is the only time Futures was, was disapproved by this thing. They, um, they literally made a law about it in 1958 because... Oh my god of what happened with these onions. That's crazy. Except that this banning of onion futures ended up biting everyone in the ass like a couple of years ago. <laughs> so uh, what this what this all really was about was in 2001, let me scroll up to find this. <laughs> in May 2001, the financial firm Cantor Fitzgerald made a simple purchase. The Hollywood Stock Exchange. Everyone has strong opinions about movies, and for Cantor, this was a way of turning those opinions into money. For the HSX, it was a way of capitalizing on the data generated by its 30,000 daily users. On HSX.com, anyone who signed up and logged in was instantly handed $2 million, fake $2 million, to invest in the success or failure of Hollywood films. The primary mode of investment was called a movie stock, and the value was based on the first four weeks of a film's box office revenue. The Princess Diaries was released August 3rd of that year. 
let's say you were an early believer in Anne Hathaway. You saw the Diaries trailer in July. Your eyes were wetted, and you knew that if anyone with half a heart remained in America, the movie would be a hit when it came out in a few weeks. You would have bought 5,000 of the Princess Diaries movie stocks at 5103 apiece. That price reflected the HSX market's belief that the film would make $51 million in its first four weekends at the box office, plus the weekdays in between. Each dollar in the movie stock price represented $1 million in real box office revenue. Four weeks after the movie opened, you would have been rolling in dough because Hathaway rolled to an $82.39 million domestic in that time period. Your profit was 31.36 per share. Not bad for an August release. <laughs> One problem, it was play money. All you could do with the diary's profit was shop more on the HSX and brag about it a pre-credit form. <laughs> so this was all setting up. This was the forerunner to them creating a real true stock exchange for futures contracts for box offices. So you would you could speculate on a movie before it came out, just like mm-hmm. you would buying a futures contract on a commodity like oil or corn or wheat, whatever, or playing with like stock options um, on the, in the stock market. Um, so this was all happening in the year 2001. Then 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. Cantor Fitzgerald was headquartered on five of the highest floors of One World Trade Center, and 650 right. of the film of the firm's employees lost their lives. No company was hit harder that day, so fut- box office futures became an afterthought. Literally, the company died that day. Yeah. So, over the next several years, this idea once an idea happens, right, it doesn't die. So again, in 2006. There was someone else, Robert Swagger, uh, who was an entrepreneur. He gave the idea a shot again. He spoke at a conference in California uh, about managing risk in the energy sector. Someone brought up this idea of the movies thing. So that's what the whole idea of futures is. Is like if you're a farmer who like grows and sells corn, you could buy a future contract to mitigate if something happened. Like you could buy it in January for your next year's harvest, and if some crazy strain of some disease killed your corn product and you weren't going to be able to yield what you expected, you would be protected against it. It's all about risk management. Mm-hmm. And that was what the idea of what this was going on. Um, so he created a new company, Media Derivatives Incorporated, known as MDEX, with the goal of creating an electronic futures exchange for contracts based on box office results. Again, the same idea mm-hmm. in 2007. He said... Um, Swagger believes his background in risk management could help Hollywood financiers, the studios, and their investors reduce losses in an inherently unpredictable business where for every massive hit like The Sixth Sense, there was at least one flop like Gigli. (laughs) Our products will allow a host of parties with financial interests in the movie, production, and revenue chain to hedge the enormous risk associated with producing, distributing, financing, and insuring major uh, Mm. major motion pictures. Among the groups to be named as possible hedgers, the original screenplay owners, Investment banks syndicating a financing slate, film talent, theater owners, distributors, marketing partners, and independent and major film studios, including the Big Six, Disney, Paramount, Sony, 20th Century, Fox, Universal, and Warner Brothers. So this thing keeps coming up and again. So they they get in front of Congress. Um, Cantor Fitzgerald and MDEX ended up kind of partnering together because Cantor Fitzgerald was on the rebound eventually. Yeah. At this point. They get in front of Congress and they start lobbying because they know that they're going to get a lot of resistance to this idea because anytime something like this comes up, 
the people who you're betting on, whether it be stocks, whether it be gambling, whether whatever, the people who you're gambling on want a piece of the action. Mm-hmm. So they're getting into a fight in front of Congress with Hollywood itself. Right. <laughs> this, this is I'm just up. picturing like like the cartoon version of this, and it's like the like two people, one from each side of the company, and then the Hollywood sign. Yeah. And they're, <laughs> they're and those those three entities are feuding. <laughs> so they um they change the name. They they go through all this stuff. It, throughout 2007, they're getting going ahead, and then 2007 2008, the collapse of Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers, the investment banks, the recession comes in. And they start drafting Dodd-Frank in Congress, these, all these banking Wall Street laws to help protect from another financial crisis like this again. And they get completely shut down by this. All they're arguing, they, 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 get, a, they get approved two different movies, future contracts to trade, and then Dodd-Frank completely eradicates any future trading. And so these things never come to to bear as, as a real viable marketplace. It's basically made illegal because Hollywood lobbied against it and it oh, didn't man. get written into the Dodd-Frank regulations. That's crazy. Also feels like an area that I can get myself into <laughs> if it were a thing. I feel like I might be successful there. <laughs> yeah, so I fast-forwarded to the end. Because not just a bet or a guess, or a guess right? Well, the funny thing is the one studio, the one major studio that backed it was Lionsgate, because of course they would. That's like, <laughs> they always zig when the industry zags. Um, yeah. And they looked at it as another chance for them to make money, because it is. It's a yeah. chance for anyone who wants to be, to be willing to be a part of this to make money. Um, and not that all of the arguments against it were invalid. There was some, con- I mean, they, they go over some of it like, sure. oh, hey, look, I found that paragraph. Uh, what if a studio executive knew of an actor's drug problem and decided to encourage it and tell TMZ so that the executive could short the film and make a fortune? Right. What if someone getting craft services decided to spread a false rumor on Facebook that the hot young director was sleeping with a 15-year-old? What if an agent held back promotion by a client, say, pulling Russell Crowe from The Daily Show for a film so as to up the value of a short contract? So they were very concerned about manipulation by the players involved. Right. Because it would... In, it would, it would it would kind of play up the whole idea of insider trading. But the problem is futures inherently invite insider trading. That's why they're so close to regulated. <laughs> right. That's um, interesting. Oh man, that's, this whole thing is, that's really got me thinking. <laughs> yeah. So I want you to add this article to the Flipboard. Yeah. We can, we can link to it in our article on the spinchew.com. For sure. That was the um, ringer as usual. It's on the ringer, as usual. I do find a lot of stuff on the ringer. I say that as usual. I mean, the things that you pull from them are just fantastic. Like what they they they, they pump out just quality stuff. Well, there's a lot of other crap too, and stuff that's not super important. Like how important it is that Diego Luna gets to touch job of the hot skin. Okay, hang on. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what? That was amazing. It was. I, I need to send you that article so you can read it because I just sent you the headline and the mm-hmm. and the tagline underneath it. Sometimes you need to read it because it's even better than just that. Even though you said that's all I need, Ugh, it's so good. Um, no, but, you know, listen, they're not perfect. There's plenty of crap. There's plenty yeah. of stuff that you may not be interested. In. There's plenty of stuff that I'm not interested, in, despite the fact that I love the website. But they do a ton of good reporting and a ton of good, well, just interesting, insightful looks into stuff. That's where the the villains podcast, which just debuted today, 
started. It's going to be once weekly. I've been waiting to see I know, when I, I uh, subscribed to last week, and I got really excited when something popped up, and then I realized it was just an intro video. Uh, an intro. I know. I did the exact same thing. I was like, what the fuck? And then I went back and looked, and they never even said when it was starting. It started uh, today. Every every Thursday at 6 a.m. is when it's going to be I'm out. very excited to listen to that. I will say, like, just to, like, touching on the quality of the stuff, though, they, oh, that they put out, the article that you sent, that the, that we've been joking about heavily with this whole onions piece in it. The person didn't know that going into this article. No, no, like, that's, is, and that's what that's what blog. I think is amazing. This is a real journalists, like, yeah, like, this is like work. They fuck around and have a lot of fun doing dipshit stuff, but they do real serious, interesting stuff. Even if it's not like changing the world stuff. Like, I'm not talking yeah. about like investigative journalism, like breaking stuff up. But they do research on there. It's very well thought out, planned, researched topics that they write about. There's a lot of interesting stuff across all of pop culture, you know, movies, music, TV, sports. Like, yeah. it's a it's a good website. Yeah, really, it's yeah. not Rantland, but it's pretty damn good stuff. It's funny because like when you send me, uh, there's just everybody knows this. When they they have that they have that one person that'll send them things, and it's usually like you know sends them an article, sends them this, sends them that. <clears throat> when that goes on for three pages, you're just like, oh, this this shit again. Like I don't want to. I don't want to read the thing you're interested in. I want to read the thing I'm interested in. Every time you send me something from them, I I make the time. <laughs> well, uh, because I know that that's a thing that everyone deals with in their life. Yeah. I only send you something that I know you're gonna find interesting, right? Right. Or I entertaining, can, or whatever. You got. Like, you guys I, gotta get yourself an owl. You gotta get yourself yeah. <laughs> somebody that's gonna send you things that you can be fairly confident that it's worth the read. Yes, I. And then I, every I, once in a while you're gonna get a good time out of it, but I am whatever. a curator of content. I only send and refer things to people that I know they're going to like the people in my life who I'm close to. I know their tastes and interests. I send them the things that they're going to want to see. What did I do to you that you told me to watch good time? <laughs> no, it's different. I <laughs> I was interested in seeing it uh-huh, uh-huh. because I thought it, I saw the trailer for it and I was interested in it. Um, so then we saw it. I just happened to watch it before you did, but we had committed to doing an episode on that beforehand. Right. It wasn't a movie that I had seen and they said, hey, we should do an you episode. You could have called it, man. You really, you could have called it. <laughs> no, because I had told you we had had too good of a run where everything was, <laughs> was sunshine and rainbows and we both we loved everything and agreed on everything. We needed to do something that was going to make us feel a little sick, make us enjoy the good times. That's what they did. The Walking Dead watched that movie before the last season and then they were like, you know what we need to do with these cameras? Shove them out people's noses. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Man. Awesome. Shall we get into the flick of the week? Absolutely. It is the 25th anniversary of Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. And oh, wait, hang on. Did I ever actually say what the title of this article was so people could find it? I don't know if you did, actually. Go I, I told you where it was and what it was about, um, but I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention that it was called Box Office Bomb, The Short Life of Popcorn Prediction Markets by Sean Revive. Well, there you have it. Our you gotta flick. properly credit the people who you, stuff you read on air, man. Like you can't. For sure. No, no, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Our flick of the week is <laughs> <laughs> Batman: The Mask of the Phantasm. It is the 25th anniversary of this animated film, and I was very, very excited to hear that it was going to be uh, one of those. Was it? It's not Fandango events. Something. Can't think of the words. Is it Fandango? Fathom. I, Fathom events. I would, 
I was, say, I, would, I was gonna say I would bail you out, but I have no idea. So. They put, they they'll randomly play an older movie or something that's like in the spotlight for whatever reason, whether it's an anniversary like this one or just like um, a collection of like horror movies, for example. Like there was, you know, during Halloween, they'll maybe put out a couple of old school horror movies. Um, but this particular one was the 25th anniversary of Mask of the Phantasm, which I remember seeing as a kid and being enthralled with. Uh, I mean naturally right it's that it goes without Same. saying it's a batman thing it's me you can just assume that i partook in that <laughs> partook in that but it was a uh, right that works yeah. um but it was a uh, i i i just remember it being something very special and i hadn't watched it in a very long time and when i saw that they were like going to be playing it in theaters i got really excited and we talked about this last week and i i bought tickets and i went to see it in theaters last monday which was really great to see a movie like this on the big screen. It's a lot of fun. I thought you were going to say it's really great to see a movie like this on a Monday. Uh, that too. <laughs> is a, that is just how you do Monday. It's just it's way better that way. What's amazing about the event, though, is they they also played a Roadrunner cartoon before it. That's kind of funny. Which I thought was fantastic. It but... makes sense because they had that was when they had the old school WB with yes. Bugs Bunny. Where he, eats, he bites the carrot and leans on the sign. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it starts off. But the what blows my mind about this is everything about the Roadrunner cartoon was similar. Reminded me of like an old one because they, if you remember Roadrunner, if you've seen those cartoons, it's the same episode a thousand times. Um, what do you mean? With a minor difference, it's just you know Wiley Coyote screwing up, blowing himself up, and it's usually well, the same sure. series of things that happens. There's a, there's a lot of repetition, but it is very entertaining. The thing was, I was like, oh, this looks like it started off as like this looks vaguely familiar but it's in 3d it was a 3d rendered roadrunner cartoon interesting and i was like huh weird i wonder if they took the same like an old one and they re-rendered it but then so you mean so wait now does it you mean like it looked like an hd like remaster or like they completely redesigned an old cartoon they i i was thinking they redesigned an old cartoon because it was i mean like it was actually like like three-dimensional it wasn't it wasn't 2D hand art. It was three-dimensional Oh, it's just art. 3D computer model. Like. Yes, exactly. Okay. And I, I thought like, oh, like, I wonder if they remade, because a lot of it was like reminded me of an of a previous one. And then it, it then it started taking a turn and segues were involved and it was more modernized. And I was like, okay, no, they didn't. But it was, it was really funny just because Road, like Roadrunner is repetitive. But it's, it was really fun to watch that before the movie. And also really fun that they, they, they actually took the time to make one more modernized and have the updated like rendering graphics now mind you the the hand nothing will beat the hand-drawn like version of that show because it was just there's just something so charming about it yeah but it was it was really cool to like we don't you don't get that we didn't get that growing up we didn't get the movie before that we didn't get the cartoon before the movie but occasionally there'll be something special where that happens uh, maybe a Pixar movie. Pixar movies generally have them. They have like a, a quick, like ten minute, fifteen minute thing. short or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you know, back in the day, with like with old school movies, like you know, going to the movies was an event. You had a couple cartoons. You had like a, a whole bunch of features, like things like that, before the main attraction. But uh, this was. I, I just love when you get that little bonus. And what's crazy when you go through these Fathom events, there's no, um, there's no previews. Okay. Because I don't. I think that they they probably plan them out 
in enough time, I would guess that they don't know what they can attach to it. And then there's also usually licensing considerations. Well, the same. There's usually some sort of contract. Exactly. So the once the time of the movie hits, it just starts. So it starts, but it, in this case, it was the cartoon beforehand. Yeah. But like, there's no waiting. It's just like, here we go. It's like, oh, yep, seven o'clock. Here we go. We're, it's on. This is great. <laughs> and you dive right in. And it was just, it was really fun. And then that warms you up with this nice lighthearted thing before you start to hear the intro music for Mask of the Phantasm, with the, which is just, it's dark and creepy and amazing. <laughs> and, uh, uh, that's almost exactly one of my notes. Uh, <laughs> really? The music is horrifying, but perfect. Yes. Yes, it is so well done. Uh, the the thing is, this is a really, really great rendition of a Batman story. And it has yes. all of the parts necessary for a Batman story. You don't need the origin. You know who he is. You don't yep. need to see his parents getting shot. You know what happens. Like, but they, they, just... still, they still give it the proper reflection on that loss in his life and but that... I like that they do it. Now, mind you, we're going to probably just be in a spoiler territory. It's 25 years old, the movie. Go see it, and then come back. We The thing is, what we get is, though, we get it in a more adult fashion of this man reflecting, thinking about his dead parents, and there's a lot of there's a lot of psychology in this movie. Well, the funny thing is, is they um, they give you the child sensibilities of it where like they did like the old school, like, Oh, they're going to kiss like pan away type of thing. I always think of the family guy joke where they did like a flashback to Babs and Carter uh-huh. when they first like get involved in a relationship and there's like them rolling around on the floor and they get, they start giggling and they're going to, and the camera starts panning up to look at the window as like the fire's crackling. And uh, you hear Carter from off screen say, Oh, oh, the camera's panning away tastefully, but uh, oh, there's a lot of good stuff going on here. The innuendo is, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and they great. do that in this too with like the time when they had the flashback to uh, her meeting him at the house after he was all beat up and he's practicing his jujitsu. Yep. And they pan away as um, Alfred had come out and look, and also like you never see anyone die on screen. Yeah. Everyone dies just off screen, or the action happens and then it cuts to something else, and you see the aftermath, and you know the person died. But you didn't see it happen. Yep. So they have those sensibilities, even though it's an incredibly mature story delivered in an incredibly mature structure. Um, which, like, again, watching it, and I mentioned it briefly when we discussed it in the past. Like, I couldn't follow this movie as a kid, even though I loved it. Um, like, right. it took me watching it many times as a kid to figure out exactly what it was that was going on. Yeah. Um, and watching it again now, it's like. Man, how did I even hold on like and enjoy it enough to do that? Like, was just that, Batman enough? That's because, like, that's what I'm wondering. I totally didn't get this as a kid, and like I knew I didn't get it. Yep. Yeah, that's and that's totally fair. I was wondering that myself as I was watching. I was like, man, like this is really, this is really solid storytelling. This is a really deep emotional story that's happening. Like exploring like Bruce Wayne's psyche and like how he reacts to things and his relationships and his emotions. Not and just that, like not just the that that undertone of all of that and kind of the way the, the way that we talk about um, how people make decisions and go about what they're doing. The structure is incredibly advanced, yeah, and, and complex. They had extensive flashbacks throughout the movie, and some of the flashback sequences themselves 
had progression within the flashback. Right. To the point where you forget you're watching a flashback. That was a big reason why I had trouble with it as a kid. They they have like movie and then they go to a flashback and the flashback goes through three different times during his like crazy. like meeting and relationship with in with Andrea and like Andrea, whatever it was Andrea, Andrea. Andrea, I think. Andrea. Um and then it comes back and I was watching it with Dominic and he's like, wait, that whole thing was a flashback? I was like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's I were He's I like, was oh, thinking yeah, about that I while watching this it. Was all a flashback. Yeah, I was like, I was as we were going into it, and I was realizing what was happening. I was like, all right, we're still in a flashback. We're still in a flashback. There is no way I followed this when I was younger. That's that's what I'm saying. Crazy. Like, it's like the thing like where I watched it so many times as a kid, and then like I kind of didn't watch it for a while. I was like, oh, I like Master Fest. I watched it again, like not as like a seven year old, but as like a ten year old. And I was like, oh my god, I don't think I ever got this. <laughs> it's it's. The thing, oh my god, it's just it's so beautifully done though. And like, I I was watching it now for the first time as an adult. I was like, I was completely enthralled. And thinking about it, obviously with like all of the other Batman properties that I'm like way too familiar with. So like, as I was watching it, I noticed the relationships and like motifs that reflect with the Nolan trilogy. That really excited me. So, like, a couple of things. I have a, a couple of quick notes I want to rattle off and see if you agree. Um, the effect that relationships have on Batman slash Bruce, mm-hmm. right? Because we we know that he's vulnerable in a relationship in general. Like, that's a, that's a thing that he has his mindset on in certain situations. And it definitely uh, – he definitely makes poor decisions around that. Mm-hmm. Or, like, he can't really be, like, designated to one thing or the other. He's get like he like goes back and forth because he knows he has to be one hundred percent one way and he ends up screwing up, which just yes. Although this played against that archetype to a certain extent in that when the relationship dissolves, it's not on him. Mm-hmm. It's usually what you're saying is he makes a choice, right? Or the choice that he makes implicitly dissolves it. This is not on him. It's on and it has her, a... her situation. I don't want to say it's on her. It's on her situation. Right. She calls it off that's not and i'm not a, a, an expert of the comics itself but of just the greater lore just kind of knowing the trends of bruce mm-hmm. wayne's life that is a surprise yes in this aspect which is incredible it's awesome though to think about like they ex- and they explore that in depth that he didn't have control over that mm-hmm. and that is again this is a really adult mature concept like not just that he didn't have control but it, it eat him inside because he wondered what he could have done better because right. he thinks he did have some aspect of it. Right. You know that he went through like a grieving – like even he still is going through like, what did I – like did I do this? Yes, Why he's compounding happen? the grieving of his parents that he's been doing for his entire life with grieving this relationship coming undone. The first time he finally believes that he can trust in having a real life. Like I forgot about this line and seeing it again because I was playing this game during it where it was like – I was trying to remember lines and sequences because I've, I've seen this movie so many times. Yeah. But I haven't seen it in 20 years. Like, um, and there was a lot of things I remembered, some things that I was just slightly off, like some things like, oh, I forgot that was a thing or I forgot this was the order of it or whatever. But there's when he's when he goes down and he's he's in the rain in front of his parents' headstone and he's crying and he says, I'm sorry, this wasn't the plan. I didn't account for me being happy. Right. Oh, that did I, or I didn't break think, your heart. <laughs> I didn't think I could be happy. It was one of those, this yeah. something like that. I, and I was like, 
oh my god yeah that hurts yeah it's so dark and i didn't think i could be happy oh <laughs> like at this time this is like a young man you know what i mean like he's a fully an adult but like he's like a guy in his 20s at that point in like the chronology right yeah like it's a guy in the 20s who watched his parents die when he was like 10 or whatever like mm-hmm. i didn't think i could be happy and it's like racking him and tearing him apart that he's crying in front of his parent, his dead parents' headstone, like because he feels bad that he's fallen in love with someone. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so good. It, it's but that's why I say that it reflects uh, one of the reasons why I mentioned that it reflects the Nolan trilogy a little bit. While in this one, it's you know, like you said, it was, it was you say it's on her. We we understand what you mean by that. Like it's I said it's on her end. Like and on her end. Yeah. It's not her fault. But right. Was, right. But like she made the decision, or like ended it, not him. In his mind, like as far as he he knows, she like left. And in the Nolan trilogy, though, there's a there's kind of like a back and forth of like, I can't be with you, and then I want to be with you, and now. I can't be with you, and because and like like this back and forth. So they they explore that, but then they take it a, a bit further in the trilogy, <laughs> where ultimately Rachel decides I'm not going to be with you, and yeah. Alfred hides it from her, which just creates this other layer between the relationships of the characters, which is just wonderful. But and that's what I'm saying. That one plays much closer to the type of like his relationships, where it's mm-hmm. whether it be because he makes a willful choice or because. By throwing himself into the work as Batman, he's implicitly choosing it. It's usually on his end, and for this to go yeah. against the grain on that, thought was interesting. And what what I love about that though is, and that's I like to going back to the Nolan trilogy. What I love what happens there though is is the the friction between Alfred and Bruce because what you get in the Mask of the Phantasm is the like is the best version of the relationship between Bruce and Alfred. They're like yes. they're like best buds. Yes, they're um, they're equal. It's, so, like it's, it's it's all the best aspects of the Michael Caine and the Ray Fiennes, Alfred, Lego Batman. Thank you. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I realized when there was a pause and you looked off screen. I was like, I was, trying, I, I, I was going through a lot in my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, well done. No, for for sure. And like just thinking about like it's. So what they, I feel like what they did in the Nolan trilogy is they, they took that relationship and then they drove a wedge between it. Uh, what do you mean? Sorry, what's that? What, what, with the third movie in the, in the Nolan trilogy. What yes. they did is they took that amazing relationship that you, you get that example of it here in this movie, in The Mask of the Phantasm. They took that relationship and they drove a wedge between it with Alfred having hidden the fact. Yes. That with, and I, I just think it makes me, this movie is so good. That it makes me appreciate a movie that I already hold in such high esteem. I it makes me appreciate that movie even more. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It's so brilliant. You get, you get the a little bit of the banter. Yep. With him, which is like the Michael Caine aspect, I think. But you get the nurturing, Never. fatherly stuff from the Ray Fines yes. one without any of the headbutting that you get from either of those. Hello, secret camera. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the development of his alter ego, so like him wanting to build the, th- I mean, the common Batman theme though, him wanting to build this, like people aren't won't be afraid of just a regular guy in a <laughs> wearing like a ski mask. Yeah, warning them. I need something more crazy, and like the development of the bat suit is great, and also 
reflects like the idea of driving fear into the heart of people, which is also really well done in the Nolan trilogy, not well done in any other of the any other of the films. Um, and the last piece was, which almost seemed as if it was a storyboard shot from Batman Begins, but him diving into the cave to find the, <laughs> the bad cave. Oh yeah, and it's like you are wearing like all of the spelunking gear, and you and like you're and like I'm pretty sure that this is just a drawing that was then used as that clip of him going into the cave. <laughs> what do you need all this for? Spelunking, <laughs> you know, cave diving. <laughs> I love that, but yeah, it's just man, this movie's this movie's wonderful. And then one thing that it really that really stood out clear to me while I was watching it, as soon as he. Bruce Batman, as soon as he opens his mouth, it dawned on me that you could throw any of the actors that played Batman in front of me. And I, sure, I would remember, you know, they played Batman, but it's the Kevin Ke- Conroy the voice. Kevin Conroy voice is the iconic Batman voice to me. I, Adam West is great. The Adam West Batman voice is obviously amazing. But the Kevin Conroy Batman voice is my Batman voice. That's the one, like that. No, like that's the one that I. That's what I hear in my head when I think yeah. of Batman's voice because not, I I not, grew up with the not, cartoons. Not, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Or I'm Batman. Swear to me. <laughs> <laughs> no. I was thinking of the scene from Neighbors where oh, it's so when good. Seth, Seth Rogen and uh, Zac Efron are doing it, and, and Seth Rogen's doing the Keaton Batman, and yes. Zac Efron's doing the Christian Bale Batman. So yeah, ex- I a hundred percent. I love that. That scene is amazing and cracks me up. Till no end, but the I but the voice of of Kevin Conroy is is the voice of Batman so much so that like just like he was also did the video games. And he's done he, multiple movies. He did the animated show, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which and that's that's probably the reason for the most part because I I watched that show so much as a kid and yeah. like reruns and over and over again. So like that's like embedded <laughs> in my memory. But he just the him doing the, like the I am darkness line is just ah, it's so good and i listened to an interview with him and kevin smith when he was talking about like some like a random person that recognized like i think it might have been a hobo (laughs) that recognized his voice and he was like can you do it for me (laughs) which is just amazing but uh well the funny thing is is even though he he may just because of the sheer volume of lines he read doing the show and the movies um, has the iconic Batman voice, but I want to give a little bit of credit. His Bruce Wayne voice, the one I, I view as most closely related to it, is actually Val Kilmer in Batman Forever. Hmm. Has the most close Bruce Wayne voice to the Kevin Conroy Bruce Wayne voice. That's fair. I could kind of hear that. I'm definitely gonna. I'm definitely gonna want to listen to that side by side because I'm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah, um, and and I think Kilmer and and Batman Forever gets too much shit, um, and it doesn't hold up to today's standard of superhero movies. But for its time, it was a good superhero movie and a good Batman movie. I genuinely enjoyed that movie while I understanding the flaws in it. Yeah, it's a legitimately good movie in its own right when you when you adjust for context. Yeah, hundred percent. You might get the it's boiling acid line, but you also get <laughs> Seal singing Kiss by a Rose. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it all equals out in the end. 
That movie is fantastic. Well, you get Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones hating each other uh, so <laughs> on good. and off screen. <laughs> so good. Oh my god, I love that movie so much. We definitely, we could definitely dedicate an entire episode to that. Um, it's, and it's the same same thing with this. Like the like the theme in this one. Like it was like I remember like like when, as soon as I heard it, it's like oh yeah, I totally remember. It's like a da 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 yeah I was like oh yeah, that's right. This song gives you goosebumps. Yeah, it is. It's got that like perfect like march like type like like swelling crescendo to it. Um, and it's funny. The other things that like I remember as it was going on, like as soon as the phantasm shows up it immediately i remember the second half of it but i couldn't remember the names and right before it was said i remember chucky saw your angel of death awaits <laughs> yeah and i remember that i always loved that they that they use that same line for all of them yeah for chucky Saul, for buzz bronski for sal Valestra, you know like all of those you know yeah. Yeah. chucky boy you know <laughs> yeah chucky boy that's that's so good i, I also the fan it's terrifying that outfit, yes. the hook. When you're a kid, that's I'll scare the shit out of you. Oh, definitely. <laughs> it's definitely. great. The unnecessary amount of smoke. <laughs> it's, it's all. Yes. It's all. And horrifying. also, not just the unnecessary amount of smoke, but the questionable physics of it. <laughs> yeah. So. <good. laughs> Where like he's just firing into it, and like the smoke, the smoke's not even like obscuring him, and it's like not hitting him, and it's like, yeah. wait, what? And then all of a sudden he's just like <laughs> gone, and he's over there now. So it's it's okay. like, wait, what? <laughs> totally fine. I'll allow it. One of my favorite things about this is so this phantasm guy is running around, he's killing people, she's killing people. Spoiler. Uh, that's why I didn't say it. I tried to back off of it yeah. in case we never really did a spoiler thing, even though it's 25 years. Like, yeah, but uh, so phantasm's killing people. What I love about it is that the criminals it's being reported that it's Batman, and the criminals are terrified. Well, the thing is, I I was always a little confused by that, and like even watching this, I was like, "Wait a minute! Like, it's obviously not Batman. He's present for the first sequence, yeah, with Chucky Saul, um, and then it the the phantasm comes in later on, and that's why the whole thing doesn't work for the rest of it. Because and then it just grows from there. It's like, okay, that actually is a consistency, not an inconsistency with the plot and everything. Because I was was like, guys, it's not Batman. Batman doesn't kill. Like, yeah. he keeps talking about how he doesn't kill. It's like. Because he's present, and then he's not. It's like okay, like that's all totally like tightly like consistent within the, like the story plot of this of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I I love that we get the it's, it, Batman almost gets caught in this movie. Yes, comes pretty damn close. And like, around to, the, his to the point where when I was watching it, I know full well that he's not going to get caught. But I haven't seen the movie in a really long time, and I was like, "How the hell is he gonna get out of this one?" <laughs> well, and I was getting a little mad because he like buys like the really weak like backstory that she gives too when she picks him up. Like she just rolls up like super like conveniently, and he's running around as Batman without his mask, and she's like, "Get in!" And like they like he waits till they get home. He's like, "How did you know to get there?" And she's like, "It was on TV or whatever." Mm-hmm. Even though she had found out, like he doesn't know that she knows about him yet. Yeah, and he knows. That like like or, or she, like she had already found out, which was like it's probably only weak part of this whole movie is how she finds out that it's him, like because Batman was standing behind her and it's right next to the Wayne. What I like, I I thought about that for a little bit. What I actually like about that scene is I know it mirrors their first meeting. But. That is great, but he he screwed up. He should have never been seen. 
and he screwed up because it's her. And that's what sure. I love about it. She makes him weak. Like well, he, that's true. He screws up in, the, the first in time her she, sight. It's the first time that he actually knows that she's back in town. And so I get why he succumbs to that moment's weakness. But the thing is, if she caught him lingering by the headstone, then okay. But he comes up on her. She turns around and sees him. And he runs away. We already know the two headstones are right next to each other. Like, it's like yeah. a jump. It's a logical leap. Well, like, I, I don't know. I, well, I guess so. I, that could be the case. But he's standing right. He is standing next to it, like, off to the side of it, a step maybe forward, looking at her. Yeah, but the whole point was, like, he, like, walked around it to appear to her. And she knows he would be there investigating the murder of Buzz Bronski because it's right down the road from there. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's just something. It Maybe it could also just be that she just put it together at that point. I guess so, but the, but she would have had no reason to because he became Batman after she left. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It didn't it didn't bother me so much because it 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 felt like it's just it, a movie that was so strong from start to finish. That's a pretty noticeable weak point. I thought that what it did was it reflected the the fact that he is not thinking clearly about being Batman when she's around, and I just they just were adding to the like the list of things that happens that reflect that. The first being when he's when he's fighting those those thugs that are trying to steal uh that that guy's whatever I, w- I don't know if he was like a gypsy like his cash, his cash box i think he was just like selling stuff on like like a street corner like so yeah he tries to say, but when he catches her in his line of sight he freezes and then he gets you know he, they, he gets taken advantage of yeah. and that's that seems i feel like that that scene was meant to be a mirror of that like bringing you back to he's still hung up i guess so moment. it's just it's one of those it's it's not that it's a plot hole. It's just mm-hmm. the, it's the clear weak link in the chain. It's not that that's it's a plot strong. hole. I just don't like it. I appreciate that, Al. Bringing it back. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not a plot hole. It's not. It's just it's the very obvious weak link in a in a right. pretty strong chain. No, that, that's fair. That's that's fair. It's not. It's not. I I feel like I understand what they were going for, of him being like a deer caught in the headlights, and that, I get and that her part figuring of it. that. It's, just it does, it's not executed that well, though. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's 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 really what it is. Is it's just the execution left something to be desired. So there's one member that I've been holding off on mem- mentioning because they did this on purpose, I'm sure. The Joker is brought into this movie. Like I feel like it's it's the third act, probably maybe a little. No, bit it's late. almost exactly fifty percent of the way through. The movie. Is it that? Is it that early? Um, Honestly, yes, the movie that- feels really long. Uh, it's not. It's an I know, hour. It's eighty. It's eighty minutes. Yeah. Um. So, so here's the thing. We were watching the movie and we got through it about a third of the way. And Dominic goes, "When does the Joker show up?" I was like, "I want to say almost dead center of the movie." And then when Sal Lester goes to Future World and oh World of the Future, whatever, and he shows up, I click the thing, and we were thirty six minutes in, and there was right. 39, 39 minutes to go. There you go. Okay, perfect. So and I was through. like, wow, I almost nailed that right on the head. It's like forty eight point five percent of the way through the movie. <laughs> but he, so he, he shows up, then he's out of the picture for a little bit. He shows up again, he's out of the picture for just a little bit, and then he's fully involved involved with the rest of the movie. And I, yeah, the whole third act is about him, and which is great because it's it's funny because it, it takes a turn. It's like we want to make an incredible Batman movie, like fully cohesive Batman story. What are the elements that it requires? It requires a conflicted Batman Bruce Wayne. It requires a love interest 
a mystery and a mystery and, and a it joke. requires the joker and they they nailed the batman formula in this movie. you want you want you want to hear something that i find entertaining about this especially since there's been so much talk about this other movie lately so this movie is a tight 115 and spider-man 3 is two and a half hours <laughs> The two movies have the same exact structure where you're presented one villain at the beginning. Yep. Who lasts the whole movie and you get another villain halfway through. And one of these movies is half the runtime of the other. And one of them nails it with entering with a secondary villain halfway through the movie and fits perfectly. And the other one doesn't. The one that doesn't is the one that's twice as long. That's so funny. That's 100% accurate too. Oh like God. how is that even possible? I don't know. It's because because this is like if you took this movie and you you just grafted it over Spider Man Three. The biggest reason Spider Man Three doesn't work is because of that thing, right? Where you have that other villain show up halfway through the movie and just like along for the ride and it becomes the big bad in the end, and it's just too much. And I guess you have Harry going on too, so it's three villains or whatever. But like even if you took Harry out of the equation, it still wouldn't work with Sandman and venom the way it did this one worked perfectly it doesn't yep. feel and it's not like it's like oh well it's a joke venom everyone wanted venom that's the reason they put it in the movies yep. everyone wants venom in spider-man like it's a well-known villain who's a big part of that 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 hero story it's the exact 100%. same format it's that's really funny i that's that's I'm, I'm glad you put that together that's great hey, man yeah, and that's oh, well to, to touch on more sour notes. The relationship between Batman and the Joker—it's all written for you. Like it's—they've done it so many times. This, I mean, each each take can be great, but the general like relationship between the two characters is established. DC, what did you do? <laughs> like, how did you how did you screw this up in Suicide Squad? Oh. Didn't have Batman in it. Yeah, it's just, but they also they made the Joker shitty. It's just, well, first of all, Jared Leto is no Mark Hamill. No, oh my god, what a voice actor! I know the for the like give the man an Oscar for his cackle alone. Yeah, because it's it is very unsettling. Yes, <laughs> like I you can as it's funny as a kid I loved the Joker. I was. I thought it was funny. As an adult, I'm unsettled by him, and I love Horrifying. that. It's great. That's I get why I think he's the greatest when, villain. I get genuine chills when Heath Ledger murders that guy over the video. Uh, the guy who's pretending to be Batman. The the video that he the uh, the scene that he directed. Yes. Ah, uh, that's yeah. That 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 guy definitely got some trauma. The actor. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. That yeah. Oh my god. But like I am, I, you guys can't see this, but I am flanked on my desk every day. I've got two speakers on either side of my monitor, two giant speakers. On the top of one of them, I have a pop figure of of my favorite version of Batman, which is the Frank Miller Angry Batman, which is the fat bat on his chest, and he's he's doing he's pumping his fists, and he's he's got a like just this nasty grin on his face, and I have the Joker just holding out a Joker card, <laughs> and it's just these are the, these are the two that I'm looking at every day, and I look at that Joker, and the first thing. That I hear is the voice from from the cartoon as well. It's Mark funny Hamill you hear Joker. Kevin Conroy and you hear Mark Hamill. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and 
And to get them both, I think that's also why those Arkham games were so good, is getting those voices for those games. Yeah. Ugh. But man, he's he is wildly inappropriate to the point where yes. I was like, oh, they did that thing where like I'm watching a cartoon as an adult, and I'm like, oh my god, that is glad nobody asked me about that joke. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I totally didn't get that joke when I was a kid. That's like, and like not just like inappropriate stuff, but like. Even his very intro to the to Sal Valestra, like when you first see the Joker on screen, mm-hmm. he starts making like cracking jokes and yep. like making all these like word associations and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my god, there's so many references I would have gotten a kid that like not like inappropriate, just like references to things. Like I just I finally I told you a couple weeks ago I was going to start watching The Sopranos and I finally did. I've watched like the first half of the first season. Uh-huh. Um, and he says, "Me Casanostra as Sue Casanostra." <laughs> <laughs> and like that's not just a Mikasa Sukasa thing. Kazanosha thing is to like the actual reference to like the five families, like in the mm. New York, New Jersey like thing. I was like, it's like, oh my god, like that's like <laughs> such a like, thing there. Like I never would have gotten that. There was I wish I had written some of them down, but there were a few other lines that he had said that I was just like, Oh my god, like that is just this is just his character is so well written. Yeah. And I just nobody. Not just not just not just that, like the like the consistency through it, like like being true to the spirit of the Joker and all that. But you get a full Joker origin in this without having to do a whole movie of it. Yeah. It's like eight minutes of screen time. And it's a fully contained and fleshed out version of a Joker origin story. Guys, we got a Joker origin, Joker romping around, and the Joker literally dying in an hour and fifteen minute movie. Yeah. And he's only in fifty percent of the movie. Well, did he die? Well, let's just say it this way: the thing's blowing up. She's yeah. got him by the balls, we'll say, even <laughs> though she's holding it by the collar. Um, she tells Batman to run. She disappears. Yeah. And then she shows up again on a ship alive. Yeah. The Joker's dead. Maybe. I mean, he's elusive. Yeah, but, like, how? Exactly. They didn't show it. There's no proof. No, I get it, but, like, considering it's a self-contained thing, and it yeah. wasn't Batman pulling him in, and we know that this is one of the versions of Batman where he doesn't kill. For the and, sake like, of this story, the Joker is dead. He's dead. Yeah. It's it's great. I And, you know, it's funny. I was thinking, I there's some there's certain, there's certain episodes of the animated series that I have, like, vivid memories of, like, clips from it. Like there are certain episodes in like amusement the, parks the, and things for, with like for some um, reason like the clay guy. I always remember the clay guy. Yeah, I just I remember a lot of Joker scenes, and I didn't dawn on me that it was in this movie. But the the scene with the the cutting for whatever reason the robot cutting the I will baloney, I'll always remember that for some real where he slides a, the baloney and just starts thing. cutting it. Yeah, I don't know why, but I vividly I I've always remembered that scene when I got this pop figure of of the Joker. I that's what I remembered. Yeah, it's such a weird thing to attach to. Um, well, two things. One that well, sorry, three things. One because two of them are tied together. It's the 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 robot cutting the baloney for him, and then him using it as a weapon on her yep. two minutes later. Yeah. Um, and I'll, for some reason, I always remember when Sal goes to meet him, and he turns on the golden thing singing, and then blows them all away. <laughs> yes. Well, hang on. Pause that on that for a second. The fact that he uses the baloney to to as a weapon that could in, a, in any old cartoon he would have just like they wouldn't have, you wouldn't even realize what it was it would have just been him grabbing something and hitting the person with it to get yeah. out of it but this they 
they put this element in the scene, and then they foreshadow that it's relevant. And then they, it's, it's, it looks like a comedic throwaway like gag that like he's using the her to slice up the bologna. Right. And then he grabs it 90 seconds later and starts beating her over the head with it. And that just like it's it's a dumb silly little thing, but I think that just shows you the amount of thought that went into every little scene of this movie. Yes. Of this anime. No, it's, film. it's amazing. It's a really well written and directed and acted Incredible. movie even though it's a not even it's like a barely full feature length film. Yeah. Um for kids in animated form. Amazing. Um, and like, like, yeah, you said, like, he's got so many like good lines. Like he, like he's menacing. He's yeah. still, even though it's a cartoon, like he's like, when you know, like, it's like, Oh my God, he's about to kill this person. Mm-hmm. Like the way he's like, talk, when he's talking to South, you know, the conversation, when he's talking to Arthur Reeves before he hits him with the gas and like drives him nuts. You know what I mean? Oh like, my God. I love that. They do that. Yeah. Dead and crazy thing. Uh, it's nuts. Like it's, it's a really good movie, and it has no reason to be. And the, I think the re, like I'm glad that they held off on pulling him into the spotlight until halfway through. It turns out halfway through, because otherwise he would he he steals the show. Not just that, but there's like legitimate mystery to how it all. Like Dominic yeah. didn't realize that it was him. I was like, he's like, oh my god, like that's him. I was like, yeah, man, like you got to pay attention at any time in like comics animation, like. Faces and shapes matter. Like yep. that henchman, there's a reason they never give him a name. There's a reason he's in every shot with the hench like with, with the three crime bosses. And there's a reason that the Joker and him have the exact same nose. It's the only nose that looks like it in the whole movie. I just love though that they make sure that they even even though they still spoon feed it to you by having Batman not fully realize it. Until, Until he the, draws it on the picture, which yeah. is, I just thought that was really funny, and I appreciated the fact that that's for kids. Especially because, well, no, but you know what? It works, though, because the two of them haven't actually shared the screen yet, when mm-hmm. he is the Joker at that point. We've seen the Joker, and we've seen Batman. We haven't seen the two of them on screen together yet Yeah, when he makes that thing, because he's never seen that picture before. And it's, it's weird, because it's almost like, it's one of those things where, there's so many people and so many things that happen in our lives like that you forget because things aren't important. But mm. when you consider the importance of the times that he ran into him, the time he ran into where he he got engaged and he, he meets him outside and then that's the last time he sees her and she yeah. disappears. He should always remember that night vividly and everything about it, seeing him outside. It's an association he should have made before. Right. And when he sees the picture, that's when it finally – because it jars back. The same thing, like, he didn't remember knowing Arthur Reeves from when he was a young and not realizing his connection to these crime bosses. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like, these are associations he should have made because of not – if it was if nothing else had happened, if, if his the, – the curve of his life had been normal outside of that where their relationship worked out and everything else happened the same, there are associations he never would have recalled. But yep. because of how shocking and traumatic those times were – the, they, 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 these are things that should have been ingrained into his memory where he should have been able to make these associations and when he finally does and you get that snap where he gets it it's like like that's that is pretty good storytelling even if it's built on slightly faulty premise right no that's that's fair that's fair oh man I the only thing that we we're robbed of is enough Jim Gordon. Yeah, know. he's basically pushed off the side. Although we've gotten a lot of Jim Gordon stories, and yeah. not that any more isn't a uh, isn't a good thing. But I just like uh, animated 
Commissioner Gordon. He's great. Yeah. So uh, um, that that scene in the hospital though, where uh, the councilman is freaking out, laughing hysterically. Yeah. Very uncomfortable as an adult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying. And I remember um, as I'm watching it and realizing as everything went. Um, although uh, actually, because you know, I remembered a lot of it, but I still forgot some things. Because um, you watch like in the shadows, and you'd seen him put the knife in the in the table. I actually thought he killed Arthur there. Because mm. you show him the shadow, like he goes like, and he hits him. Yeah. And like I said, they already sh- they all the deaths happened off screen. Um, and then he showed up again. And I think when I was younger, I actually I thought that that was another like some sort of like flashback thing or whatever like that. It was like the Joker okay. in the hospital bed. Um, cause he's laughing like the Joker and he, you know, this and that. And it's like, Oh no, 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 that's Arthur. He survived that encounter. Cause that's the last time you see him again too. You know yep. what I mean? Like, and yeah. it, like, it all fits back. Like the pieces like click together finally. Oh man. It's so good. I just want to watch it again. <laughs> I, I well, really well, you have it. it. Um, even though Plex continues to fight me every time I use it. Yeah. Um, whether it be me watching a movie that requires subtitles for its entire run and I have no subtitles. Um, or so it be, <laughs> or it be a movie that I get the first fifteen minutes of and then I can't watch any of it again, um, or this movie where I watched the whole thing and couldn't watch the last fifteen minutes and had to go find it on YouTube. Oh uh, <laughs> somehow it fights me every time I try to use it. It's something new every time. <laughs> um, That's kind of funny. It, it was a little funny. Um, it's funny because I was able to quickly find the rest of the movie. That's great. <laughs> and it's, it's just uh, last fifteen minutes of <laughs> Mask of the Phantasm. The plus was that I like I, at that point, it's all fight scene, and I like I even if I don't remember every little like nitty gritty detail, like I remember it all. Although I would have been deprived of him walking through the model city. Ah, uh, so good with the Joker with the Empire State Building style building on his head, where he like he comes into the camera like the screen is like oh god he's hiding under a building, and then it's no no he's not hiding behind a building he's just he's, got it over his head yeah he's in the building he's inside <laughs> he's the building. There. And then he beats him over the head with the model. <laughs> so good. Like, who thought of that? Of like, I, let's let's draw this fight sequence as giants in a city. You know who thought about that? That's something. The whole thing hiding under the building thing. That's something straight out of a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Ah, uh, that's Warner Brothers. And sure. if, I don't know if you noticed, like as he's walking, there's like a big WB on yep. one of the buildings. Yep, I noticed that. Yeah, that's really funny. Oh man, this movie. What a gem. Do you have any other notes? Uh, no, not really. Um, just other than like, like it's funny going back and seeing this again and being able to appreciate it for what it is. Like all like it, there's like, there's a, like a real like connection to that story of love lost and all of that. And there's real genuine mystery. Like, um, and it fits within the mythos of, Batman that we know, even though there's different iterations of it, obviously, because there's another thing that Dominic commented on while we were watching is, um, okay, so like the, the the first like on-screen thing of like Batman Never Kills wasn't with the Nolan stuff, it's here, like right, like where this is the one where the Nolan aspired there's, there's several things that Nolan aspired from this, this scene, it seems like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so like you, see, you know, there's different iterations of this, this Batman kills, this Batman never kills, you know, stuff like that. This one was in the same spirit of that, where it was his hard and fast rule. Like, there's no killing. I'm not, you know, I'm going to yeah. make sure I preserve that piece of me no matter what. Oh, man, it's so good. And the darkness. Just the, this is like, this is the 
the quintessential dark Batman. Yeah, it is a surprisingly dark movie that should honestly turn you off as a kid, and yet it doesn't because yeah. there's so much else good going on. It doesn't because it's Batman. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's it. Wow. What a good time. I just I had such a great time with that movie. So much fun. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Flicks and the Six. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. And I'm Alessandro Biolsi. Cheers. <laughs>